creativity in organization is strategic first and tactical second. Really about the essence of the work that you've done with business is about allowing people to express themselves. You need a balance of those four kinds of creative together for creativity to thrive. Hello and welcome to The Common Creative. My name's Chris Meredith. And I'm Paul Fairweather. And we're on a mission to understand and share the tools and techniques of creativity in business and the world at large. And today's guest is very special uh, because he's known to both me here in Sydney and Paul in Brisbane. You met him 10 years ago, didn't you, Paul? That's right, Chris. I met Ralph as a creative thinker or a creative consultant. Works all around the world for amazing array of businesses helping them and helping their leaders with creative thinking. But a couple of months ago, I saw some amazing photographs on LinkedIn and he's now an artist. So he fits our build perfectly about exploring creativity in business. And it turns out he's been using his approach to art directly in business to unlock creativity and understand how business people can be more creative in the workplace, full of fascinating insights. And if you're listening, check out his wonderful work, Ralph Curl, beautiful, reflective photography. Let's get him in. Let's have a listen. Ralph, a huge welcome to The Common Creative. This feels like a slightly unusual recording because uh, even though Paul was the person that reached out to you to say, please come on the show, we, you and I know each other already. So as, as you said just now, three artists on one podcast, it's going to be a very a kind of arts-led podcast. Huge welcome, though. Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. And it's lovely to, to catch up with you and Paul again. Um, welcome, welcome, Ralph. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I think we should start maybe 10 years ago, which I hear is when you first met Paul, presumably through the world of business. Do you want to tell us a bit about your business background? And then we'll come on to talk about your art, which because you're a practicing artist right now. Well, you know, I'm, I guess I'm one of the few people that, that have had a long career in the creative industries going back starting in the late 70s. And I've always been interested in the commercialization of art, always. Um, and as an extension of that, um, began to understand the importance of creative thinking in business. I had an opportunity to write, going back in the early 80s, to write an opening speech because of my arts theatre background for a CEO. And I remember walking into the CEO and saying to him, um, look, I'm not a business person, um, I'm, I'm a theatre arts person, um, so I don't understand what EBIT or EBITDA is all about. And he sort of looked at me askance and, and thought, what in the hell is this? He, he was the managing director of a billion-dollar turnover business in Australia. And I, I had just left as associate director of the Sydney Theatre Company. So I said to him, well, look, I'm a theatre person. You know, um, I was associate director of the Sydney Theatre Company. And two hours later, I left his office with the minions outside saying, get this bloke out. What's this bloke in here for? And it transpired that this CEO had a major interest in theatre, but it also indicated to me that the majority of leaders in organisations are highly creative and they were in some way or other not allowed to kind of express that or they they um, suppressed it or for fear of um, 
of, you know, appearing to be weird or whatever. And from that, I became very interested in the creativity that was in business and, and a, an asset that's very rarely used properly or very rarely understood. Ralph, how, how many years ago was that? Because, as you know, Chris and I are also, you know, probably more recently in that sphere of interest as well. But even now, you know, we still find a struggle about, you know, allowing people to express their creativity at work. So I'm just wondering how long you've been, you know, banging away <laughs> at it for. Well, that was probably around uh, the late 80s, the late 80s. I had the very good fortune um, to have an opportunity to, excuse me, present some creative thinking in the US in the late 80s. And um, I ran, I was to the theatre at a, at a conference called the Creative Problem Solving Institute in Buffalo, upstate New York. And what I discovered there was an incredible tribe that had been operating since 1948. It was the Creative Problem Solving Institute was founded by uh, Alex Osborne of BBDNO, the O in, in, in BBDNO, and by a guy called Sid Parnes. And they'd coined the term brainstorming in 1938 and had written a book called Applied Imagination in uh, 1951, 52, which said brainstorming doesn't work, you know, which was really re brainstorming doesn't work, you know, and, and you can still read the chapter. It's, it's chapter seven. But what, I, but what I discovered there was a tribe of people that were committed to developing creativity in American business. Um, it was John Foster Dulles that in 1948 after World War II said, is now the time to create a new world order. And American capitalism was built on that idea of creative thinking in a really substantial sort of way. And over a long period of time, I sort of worked globally, um, working with senior leaders around developing their creative thinking and how they might apply it in organisations. And there were two things that came out of that. First of all, um, create, creativity is about chaos and disruption and destruction. On the other side, organisations are about order, organisation, um, process, all those sorts of things. So it's an incredibly difficult thing to find space for creativity in organisation. It's incredibly difficult. And that goes back as far as... Uh, Mary Jane Follett in the 20s, who defined what a creative problem solve, what creative problem solving methodology was. It's a really difficult, ongoing discussion that I don't think will ever end. So, Ralph, you said that a lot of leaders seem to be very creative, and they kind of hold it back for fear of being seen as a bit weird. I mean, did you have? Were you when you were working with those leaders? Did they kind of hide your presence? Did they have to pretend you were somebody else or something? Uh, so, uh, was it a kind of cloak and dagger relationship with these people because of the bad name that creativity has in business? Um, it's a good question, Chris. I I don't think. I, I, well, I think a couple of things. First of all, I was an artist who allowed them freedom to kind of say, well, here, we've got the artist, you know, it's the, the, the idea of the, 
innocent bystander standing there or the mad artist. I just brought a mad artist in to talk to you. You know, that that was kind of the, the mad artist to talk to, explore whatever we might want to explore, you know. Um, the, the, I'm not, the mad I'm not artist formerly known as? Ralph Curl. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, but what was what's really, really interesting, I focused very, very specifically on arts practice 101 to introduce leaders to um, creative thinking. So, for example, um, uh, improv, straight out theatre improv, yes and, to carry on a negotiation. You know, if you, you I, 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 I'm not sure that you know the yes and, and improv. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, to introduce the idea of yes and as a, you know, a comic process to begin with, um, comedy improv doesn't work without yes and. If you block, it doesn't go anywhere. But if you open up and allow the yes and process, you can go all over the place and you've got permission to do that. So I would work doing that. Um, I would use um, a system called Visual Explorer created by a very good friend of mine out of the US at the Centre for Creative Leadership called David Horth, um, which is 248 A4 images, just random A4 images, paintings, photographs, etc., and ask the question, you in this workshop, please go and select the image that best expresses the creative, the most creative thing you've done in your life and tell the story around and it was just, it's quite extraordinary. I've used that all over the globe. And it's quite extraordinary about how creativity is a leveller in some ways. You know, the shock of stories that were told if you've got 20 or 30 senior leaders sitting around in a circle. I'll I, um, I, I give you a good example. I, I, I worked very closely with Deloitte um, in developing their innovation program and strategy. And I used this select the most creative thing you've ever done um, uh, process with the visual image. And there was a particular guy there, lovely guy, but very conservative, grey suit, grey, very sort of dark hair, still using Brill cream in the, you know, the, the, the very, and, and quite an, an auditor and an accountant and, you know, very concerned about rules and regulations. When it came to his turn, he said, the most creative thing I've ever done is build a seaplane. And everybody in the who had not seen this person went, you built a seaplane? And he was asked to then explain what happened. Well, when we were students, we were down in East Gippsland and we built a seaplane from ground floor up, a kit, and, and then we flew it and crashed it. And everybody, <laughs> <laughs> and, and everybody sort of suddenly saw this person in a completely different light. There was a completely different connection. Here was a person who they'd only ever seen as a kind of figures at a desk person, and here they suddenly saw somebody who was a risk taker and had broken rules. Yeah. You know, so, Ralph, have, has things changed at all? Because I think everything you're describing about unlocking creativity and people being being a bit kind of uh, maybe wary of it and so on um, feels very familiar to Paul and I. Have you know that was back in the 80s? Have you noticed 
things changing in the world of business? I know you're, you're currently become mainly an artist, so maybe you can say, look, I haven't spoken to people recently in that area, but have we moved on or are we just same old, same old in terms of creativity? No, well, um, I, I, I'm aware of the evolution of the tech company, you know, and my experience of working with people that work in the tech industry is that they are highly creative in the way that they're looking at how business models work and how they develop business models. Um, you know, I think there's uh, quite a, a, a revolution taking place in that one needs to think very carefully about new business models. What are the new business models? Um, I have a, a very close friend um, in Barcelona who's a very creative guy. He runs a creative consultancy business and he regularly travels to Silicon Valley um, once a year, twice a year. And we have regular meetings. And his discussion is about um, the way that tech is moving business in an extraordinary way. You know, the development of virtual reality, um, all those kind of things that I'm not that familiar with. But I think that we're actually in a highly creative period. Yeah. I, 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 I really do. And so, therefore, I think the idea of um, developing creative skills right now is really, really vital. And understanding creative behaviours, I think that's really crucial. Ralph, that's, that's um, an interesting observation and probably a, a good opening to ask you about your own creative practice. When we first met 10 years ago, I knew you through your creative thinking and work with business but then recently was pleasantly surprised to come across some images on LinkedIn some amazing photographic images or reflections of boats and, and things um you, you said earlier you you do have you do have an arts degree but you're in the theatre then you went through business and now you're probably known better for your art so tell us a bit about that well it was really delightful when I was selected two years ago in Berlin Art Week as an emerging young artist. <laughs> 42 of, one of 42 of Europeans emerging young artists. Goodness <laughs> me. Because you're, nearly 30 now, is that right? <laughs> yeah, just, a, yeah, you know, I recently celebrated my 40th annual 30th birthday party. <laughs> um, but uh, I, what I wanted to do, I think, um, and it was serendipitous the way it occurred, uh, way things occurred. But what I wanted to do was to try and understand at a much deeper level my own creative practices and processes. Now, at this time in my life, I wanted to go back and think about could I create a creative process based on my experience, my knowledge, my understanding that um, allowed me to express myself creatively in a meaningful sort of way? And could I do that commercially? Um, and so this journey started extremely serendipitously but has ended up by being um, quite wonderful in that it seems to have brought together my thinking around creativity and its implementation in an extremely practical way in an extremely practical sense. Ralph, actually, I'm, I'm really taken by something you just said there about your uh, wanting to express yourself 
And, and I think that's something that Chris and I, you know, can relate to and us by our listeners. But I wonder, in some ways, you know, you're coming from a different end that really about the essence of the work that you've done with business, et cetera, is about allowing people to express themselves. Is business allowing people to express themselves? Well, the, no, the, the essence of, you know, trying to get creative thinking within businesses, but really what's underneath that is, in fact, allowing people to express themselves creatively. It's, I think it's much more complex and nuanced than that, and that's why I'm particularly interested in creative behaviours. Um, I did a lot of research and wrote in the sort of late, in the late 2000s and early 2010s around creative behaviours because I discovered a couple of things. First of all, um, there are many, you know, tools that use that can be used like MBTI or uh, Howard Gardner's Frame of Mind and Intelligence, the Kersey Adaption Instrument. There are all sorts of ways of measuring personal creative behaviours um, or all sorts of instruments to do that. The one I found most interesting and the one that I've worked with um, is Foresight out of State University of New York, Buff State, um, that was again founded by Sid Parnes and Alex Osborne. And it's built around the idea that all of us have creative biases that we have and creative preferences. And that's built around archetypes, archetypes like clarifiers, ideators, developers and implementers. So, And we have combinations of that. There are people that are ideators, implementers. There are people that are, that are developers, implementers, et cetera. What I discovered, which it became a, a point, not of conjecture, but a point of really important research and discovery at um, state at SUNY State, State uh, University, State University of New York, SUNY State and Buffalo, who still to this day are the only university in the world that offers a master's in science in creativity. It's a program that's been run since um, the 50s. Um, what I, and, and the foresight instrument came out of that particular faculty. And what I discovered, which was fascinating, was that you needed certain balances within a team in order to be able to get into a creative flow. And if you didn't have those balances, you had a creative block inside the organisation. And quite often that creative block inside the organisation was at a leadership level. And once we started to expose these creative blocks, it was a very difficult thing, very, very difficult thing because it meant that the leader could be placed under threat. Um, so it sort of surfaced for me that while the idea of creativity is very important in the organisation, it's how the lead, what the creative biases of the leaders are in these organisations as to how well the organisation will work creatively. So there's a kind of situation where uh, the, 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 the mean average says, an ideal senior leadership team creatively will have about 26% of, of, of clarifiers, about 34%, sorry, it's not percentage, it's me. I'm not a mathematician, but let me give you some figures the best I can. Um, 26 uh, points for clarifiers, 34 points for um, ideators, about 
24 points for developers and about 32 points for implementers. Now, if you're out on the biases of that, you've got real real problems about how a creative idea will throw, flow through an organisation and whether the organisation is open for creativity, whether it's actually open for creativity. So, so, so Ralph, just to clarify, your, your point is you need a balance of those four kinds of creative together to, for creativity to, to thrive. Yeah, correct. And if right. you don't have that, you have real problems. So, for yeah. example, um, I did... Uh, I was calling to a public company um, that had previously been number one. They had a they uh, number one in its industry space, and they had forty two of their leaders there. And we finished this particular workshop piece where we were looking at creative behaviours quite early. And this was, you know, a discovery for me. And what what there were there were several things. One, I asked how many clarifiers raise your hand. And there was two, and I asked how many ideators are there, and there was thirty that raised their head, and how many developers there were, there were none, and how many implementers there were, and there were four. So, and the problem was is that this organisation's business model was based around uh, direct sales, uh, or, or, or not direct, but a, a direct sort of selling model, and what they were trying to do is to develop more sophisticated nuances and services. And they had none of the talent there to do that. They had none of the creative capabilities to do that. So that so, was one of the... Ralph, does that mean, in effect, in business, you were, you were basically the HR advisor, helping people construct teams to be more balanced and to be more creative? Um, I, well, I, um, <laughs> <laughs> HR doesn't fit well with me. I think... <laughs> okay. I, uh, for me, uh, you need if you're going to if the organisation's going to take on the idea of being innovative. So I think McKinsey's did the, the report. McKinsey's said CEOs have tenures of seven years, and they have three things that they're doing in those seven years that they they will be able to accomplish one of three things: acquisitions and mergers to make the business grow, uh, focus on developing technological capabilities is the second thing. And the third thing is to grow creative and innovation capabilities within the organisation itself, within the organisation itself. And the organisation's got to determine whether it's actually going to go, which path, the CEO's got to determine which path it's going to go down to do that. Right. And, yeah. and, and if it does then determine that it's going to go down and develop the its internal capabilities. And Deloitte did that very successfully in the 2000s, very, very successfully. Um, and that became a model for a lot of the professional services organisations that they would, in actual fact, focus on um, developing individual creative capabilities within the organisation yeah. and, and, and apply those capabilities to technology. And they did very, very successfully in that area. Whereas KPMG, for example, is focused on buying up technology startups and incorporating. So they chose the acquisitions and mergers model. Um, so, so it depends where the organisation is in its life cycle as to whether creativity and innovation is going to be the way to go. And it needs to come from the leadership. Um, it needs to come from the leadership. Yeah, HR 
the, the kind of work that HR does, to, in my experience, is basically tactical. And um, creativity in organisations is, is strategic first and tactical, sec tactical second. Um, and that's, that's really interesting about that foresight. We, we were introduced to it a couple of months ago by American thinker, creative thinker, Amy Clymer, if you know her. I know Amy Clymer. Yeah, yeah so Amy uh, pointed us to that. But last week we had the neuroscientist Selena Bartlett on our show. Mm -hmm. but if you know of Selena, uh, no, does a lot of work around addiction and things. But she was telling us, and we will have the link in her show notes, we can add it here as well, of a study that's just come out about how the group in a, in a group situation the different parts of people's brains fire and they've actually just released a study that basically proves exactly what you're saying that you know in a cohesive group to 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 reach the state of flow you need to have all different sorts of uh, parts of the brains firing so my work over the last sort of 15 years is it, it, in in business has been about trying first of all to find the balance you know, to, to say you're unbalanced in this area or unbalanced in this way. But the next part is to get people to understand when they're engaging that they are using a particular preference and particular bias and how does that affect the way they work in teams creatively because clarifiers will, will, will play a vital role um, in terms of why are we working around this thing creative? Where an ideate is to say, stop, don't, don't talk to me about that. We're going to ideate. That's what we're supposed to do. Um, and the developer will go to the ideator and say, oh, I love that particular idea. I'll develop it for you. And they'll spend the next five years developing it. And at the end of the chain, the implementer says, look, I'm creative. Just give me the bloody thing and I'll implement it for you. <laughs> and and, and so what you get, um, so my, the work that I've been doing is bringing art space processes into this kind of structure and saying to them, well, find out and recognise what you are. And, you know, so, so for example, uh, I had a really, had, I ran a, a, one of these workshops for senior leaders at the ABC and um, we had this very well-known programme producer, news program producer on a table. And in the middle of going through this, suddenly he jumped up and said, now I know why I get so upset with you. <laughs> and, and he had beside him the legal counsel of the ABC who had to vet every program that went to air. And quite regularly, the legal and the legal counsel, counsel was a clarifier. And the, and, and, and the producer was, of course, this is a great news idea. Let's take it in. And the clarifier would say, well, no, that might create a problem around, um, you know, libel or we might be a... And, and, and so what they found then was a common language between the two. What was really lovely was both of them standing up, hugging each other. It was oh. quite lovely. It was People quite lovely. People have previously been at odds for arguing were suddenly yeah. connected. Yeah. 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 Ralph, and, I, and, 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 yeah, go. Oh, I was, I wanted to take you in a completely different direction because I uh, want to talk more about your art and what inspires your art and so on. And I remember hearing a, um, 
I remember hearing a presentation you gave, you had a, a, a picture of yours that was going to go up for auction, and you talked about how you'd started down this path of being a more single-minded professional artist, and, and the fact that in the world of business kind of wasn't satisfying, there was something lacking for you, and maybe um, you weren't as mentally healthy as you felt you should be, and getting out on the water, getting a camera in your hands, starting to create gave you much more kind of um, mental satisfaction. And I'm, I'm really interested in this idea that creativity is good for the for mental well-being. Uh, is, that, is that a good summary of your story? And if so, is it true? Oh, well, abs- well uh, Seth, yes, absolutely. It very, I don't need to be, no, of course it is, yes. No, look, I got to a point where I think one, one it, it, the Twyla Tharp, the famous American choreographer, has written a book, A Groove or a Rut, and she talks about how you develop something and you get into a groove and it's easy to repeat it over and over again and ultimately finally you end up in a rut. And that rut can create depression, can create real mental health issues because you're not sure, you know, you're internalising all the time. Um, and I, I struck a patch where I lost purpose um, and suffered quite se- severe depression. Um, and the doctor gave me a tablet and um, I said, this is the best new thing since LSD. Well, no, no I shouldn't say that. This is the best new thing. Um, well, I, strangely enough, LSD has now come back in, in um, well, yeah, no, I, it's really interesting at the moment. They're starting to use LSD as... Um, as uh, a uh, method of um, helping the brain to externalise. One of the really, really important things about creativity is that it moves one out of the internalising. It forces one to externalise. That's what's fabulous about creativity. So this doctor gave me this pill and, um, and, and, and it was supposed to be the best thing since sliced bread and it wasn't. It, it drove me into a deeper, deeper hole. And what was really interesting was to discover that the mental health industry is based on pharmaco- pharmacology. And in actual fact, a lot of the mental health professions know that pharmacology only works for 60% of those diagnosed with mental health issues. And they know that creativity and externalising in creativity is a huge, rapid and quick way to cure um, mental health issue. So anyway, I, I, I took this pill. It was terrible. I went down, uh, I went to the GP and said, this is horrible. It was supposed to improve. I've gone darker. What should I do? He said, stop taking it. So <laughs> stop taking it, walked down and got on and decided I couldn't walk and walked down and went into a situation where um, I started to kayak immediately. The long and short of it was I went down and took a kayak and kayaked for about four hours and started to kayak regularly. And suddenly that immersion in nature with the kayak, I saw physical health improve and then I saw mental health, which was just um, absolutely fantastic, really, really wonderful to get that. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to capture what I was seeing on the water while I was doing this. And suddenly I was seeing fully formed um, artworks that nature had created. And I put them up on Facebook and a lot of my peer group went, oh, that's fantastic. And in actual fact, and this is quite sad, 
In actual fact, I'm very close to Rory O'Donoghue. And Rory, who had been, I don't know whether you know Rory O'Donoghue. Rory was Thin Arthur and Auntie Jack. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was uh, a very famous actor, musician. So going back, um, I put my stuff up on Facebook and Rory O'Donoghue was one of the people that was there. And Rory came back and said, this is a fantastic. And I didn't know at that point in time that he'd been Australian Photographer of the Year in the 80s, as well as all the other things that he'd done. And so Rory kept saying, and other friends of mine through the theatre and the visual arts world kept saying, this is really good stuff. We really like it. Um, you've got to do something. And then Rory suddenly said, we'll do a coffee table. So anyway, the long story short was somehow or other, and this is what's wonderful about creativity, and I think both you guys will understand this, is that you do stumble onto something which captures your brain's imagination and says there's a possibility here about what I'm doing. It's that kind of internal, external conversation that you have all the time, which is the creative process itself. Hi, brain. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Um, you know, uh, well, what's going on here, brain? Um, well, I, I, I'm seeing things. Oh, okay. So what are you seeing, brain? Oh, I'm seeing fully formed you know, it's a dialogue. It's an internal dialogue. The really important thing about the creativity, though, is shutting that brain down for a moment and externalising and getting out and doing what you're doing. And suddenly you're immersed in something which is, for me, the creative process. Wow. And it's, it, it sounds like, I, I, by the way, you're absolutely right. I certainly, I identify with that, with that. I'm guessing Paul does as well. And it, I was just kind of bringing it back to the world of business because there's three artists doing this podcast. All of us, I think, understand the concept of being immersed in the creative process and that dialogue and the need to externalise and so on. I'm wondering if business should, should incorporate some form of artistic creative process as a way of training their executives to be more business creative in the day. In other words, it's not a distraction from their work. It becomes part of their work, part of the way they train their brains to, to connect with creativity. Is there, is there a case for that, do you think? Well, I think they do that intuitively and without knowing. And that's what was fascinating for me. I mean, when you're sitting down thinking about, I'm, you know, uh, I want to uh, launch a new product, you've got to write a story. Or mm. I want to take over a, a one of the things that took me into um, it was really interesting. One of the things that took me into the whole creativity and business kind of scenario was I I I I naively wrote this kind of this 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 kind of um, understanding of what I was doing, and then expressed it, and it went um, business plans are projections projections are, are fiction, therefore business plans are fiction. And everybody knows when um, it, there's a good story or when there's good fiction being written and everybody can tell you when fiction doesn't work. So let's explore the business plan from a fictive perspective. <laughs> and, 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 and I had this guy in Philadelphia of all places come up and say, you know, I'm executive vice president of the DuPont Center of Excellence, and that's the wisest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you know, and I, you know, um, 
and, and I think I think if you're able to do that and to move and you know the power of the word in stories and narrative, we all know the arguments about that. But it's how you construct successful fiction, how you construct successful narratives, and the process used to do that, which is really crucial. You know, um, and also if you have an editor or, for that matter, a CFO, if we want to use the metaphor, CFOs are fascinating people. I, I did a whole lot of work with CFOs. They're the power in the business and they can look at these figures and go creatively. They don't ever call a CFO creative, but when you start to talk to them, they look at these figures daily from a projection perspective. They look at them as if they're fiction. You know, we've got a billion dollars coming in this week. Oh, wow, so we can do this and this and this. Um, and they instantly know how to tell a story around the figures that they've got in front of them. And Ralph, I think not- you, you probably just doubled our audience right there. We, CFOs are our best friends. They're creatives. They should be tuning in too. That's great. Well, no, no, no. They, I, I mean that. I ran. Yeah. I, I did keynote. Um, I did keynotes to CFOs at one stage all over the world. You know, it was really fascinating because I did find them really interesting people. The really good ones are the ones that have ended up as CEOs building really big businesses because they've got the figures under control, but they can use the figures to construct beautiful fiction, beautiful business plans, you know. Ralph, I've always said, you know, I, I want my account to be creative, but the ATO have a slightly different view about that. Um, <laughs> But just just look. Um, but if I can, can I can I answer, Paul? And and I say this respectfully, right? Um, that is certainly a really vital part of the role of the CFO is to adhere to regulations, governance. All those things are really really crucial. The other side, though, the CFO is the importance of understanding investments, assets, the future, what the cost might be. So it's in a way, it's a kind of I always used to get that thrown at me when I'd start. You know, we're only CFOs, mate. You know, uh, we're not creative. We're definitely not. We're, we're not allowed to be creative. We can't be creative. Yeah. And the more well, I spoke to them, the more I found that they were highly creative. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. And I love um, that bit about, you know, the fiction. And, you know, our, our time is pretty well up and I, and, and it, we almost could have been a paid advert for the new program Chris and I have coming out, which is about ideas and stories and about the importance of stories in business. So um, we'll uh, send you the 10 bucks in the mail uh, for, that, uh, for that plug. But, uh, Ralph, that has been such a fantastic conversation. I have learnt so much. I, I, I just only, my only disappointment is that it's been 10 years since we've had a chat because... Uh, I would have been a lot smarter now if we'd uh, had regular contact. So thank you very much for joining us today on our podcast. Thank you, Ralph. I would like to echo that. It's been a huge pleasure to connect with you again and learn so much more about creativity. Well, I thank you guys for allowing me to 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 come on the program. It's a really worthwhile program. I had a look at some of the people and I thought, wow, this is really great. So I'm honoured that you asked me to come on. Uh, I really appreciate it.
Thank you very much indeed, Ralph Curl. A couple of quick plugs before we close this show. If you get a moment, uh, please check out Ralph's new show, which is in Sydney, in Manly, uh, at the Corso, the old Billabong store. It's a flagship outlet, and his wonderful artworks are now on display in that store. And they should be on display. Uh, this is um, published around mid-December. They should be on display until early 2022. So get there and see that. And a plug for ourselves. Chris and I have a new program called Ideas and Stories That Matter, um, how to engage, connect and inspire your audience. So it's really about supercharging your presentation skills, to say the least. Yeah, if you want to get together with your audiences and, and make bigger impact with your presentations, please join us on Ideas and Stories That Matter. And we'll see you for next week's episode of The Common Creative. Thanks for joining us. Uh, details of the program in the notes below. <laughs> yep, check out the show notes. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, see Chris. you next week. Bye for now.